It's All Things Considered on WNYC. I'm Sean Carlson. If you have questions for It's Thursday, so that means it is time for On the Way, our weekly segment breaking down the week's transit news. Joining us is WNYC's transportation reporter, Stephen Nesson. We're going to start with some grim news this week, Stephen. There was a shooting in a Bronx subway station on Monday that left one person dead. Five other people were injured. It's the second fatal shooting in the transit system so far just in the first two months of this year. Two fatal shootings in less than a month on subways? Is that unusual? Well, they're definitely scary incidents, to be sure. Mm -hmm. You know, for context, what we're looking at, there were nine murders in the subway system in 2022. There were five murders last year. So, you know, overall, though, crime in the subways was down last year compared to 2022. With one notable exception, felony assaults in the subway were higher in 2023 than they'd ever been since 1996 when the NYPD started keeping records. You spoke to riders in the Bronx this week. How are they feeling after the shooting? I was up at the Mount Eden station. That's Mm -hmm. where one man was killed. Five people were injured during the shooting. And a lot of folks just sort of shrugged and said, yeah, you know, it is terrible. It is scary. But I got to get to work. Excuse me now. Um, I did speak with 60-year-old Antonio Carson, who comes to the station every day. And he was saying, as we're looking at two police officers standing there, that the number of police in the station and around the area has increased. And we should note that that is in line with our recent reporting, which shows there's an increase in the number of police on patrol in the subways. And the amount of overtime spent on subway patrols in the last year has also been up. But here's Carson. I do worry about kids with guns. Security always here. That's one thing I can say. It's no different from anything else. It's just a situation that's going on that people don't respect people. I didn't meet anyone who said the shooting would alter their daily routine. So changing gears, you wrote about all door boarding on local buses in this week's newsletter. Speaks for itself. Obviously, you can get in any door of the bus and, and still uh, tap or, or pay or use your card, what, what have you. Now, this is something the MTA had promised would happen with the tap-and-go fare payment system, Omni. But, Stephen, we've had Omni now for like three years, right? Yet we still do not have all-door boarding on local buses. So what's the deal? Well, let's go back to 2021. The MTA announced it was going to do an all-door boarding pilot on 10 local bus routes. It was billed as a major step in speeding up the time it takes to get on a bus. If you've ever been on a local bus, Sean, I'm sure you have. Mm -hmm. If you had to wait in a long line while people are fumbling with their metro card trying to get on, you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. But here we are three years later, and those tap-and-go omni-readers are installed at the rear doors of local buses. They're just not turned on. Interesting. So here's what happened. Last year, the MTA actually told bus drivers not to open the back door unless people had to exit. In other words, there is still no rear door boarding. That pilot never happened. And what they say is they want to combat fare evasion. At this point, I checked the most recent stats. Nearly half of all riders on local buses don't pay the fare. And right now, you know, they're not opening the rear door for people to get on. Ironically, New York City Transit President Richard Davey says if more people used Omni on buses, he'd be inclined to turn the devices on. But to me, that seems almost like a chicken and egg issue. Uh Here's Davey speaking in December. We need to continue to work on our Omni penetration on bus, right? And um, I think we're starting to get there, meaning... We've put, as you know, now Omni machines in stations. We're starting to get the Omni media out a little more. We're starting to see a bit of an uptick on Omni on bus. We have some work to do. Maybe a lot of work to do. Only about 30% Mm. of bus riders currently uh, use Omni to pay now. You know, the agency had once hoped the MetroCard would be phased out in 2023. 
Here we are, 2024, and the agency does not have a date when the Metro card will no longer be available. And it didn't have an update on when local bus riders will be able to use Omni at the rear of the bus. Okay, back to trains. On the way had a column a few weeks ago. It was in our newscast, too. Uh, Listeners might remember this. There's a unique quirk in the way that the tracks are laid out in Brooklyn that has been causing train delays for like 50 years now. And it got the attention of a state senator who dubbed the problem the Crown Heights Cluster. What is that? Well, officially, it's known by the MTA as the Nostrand Junction. Okay. It's where the two, three, four, and five lines all intersect beneath Eastern Parkway and Nostrand Avenue. The two and the five go one way, while the three and the four go another way. But when a train is making one of those turns, the others have to stop and wait. And it could be a minute, sometimes two minutes, until they get the clear signal, the green signal, that it's safe to proceed across the tracks. Clayton Guza, my editor, calls it a delicate dance, (laughs) and it happens hundreds of times per day, Mm. and those delays add up. In fact, the MTA has filed reports on how to fix this problem for nearly six decades. Just last year, though, it noted that fixing it would actually affect more than 300,000 daily riders by the year, I believe it's something like 2045. So they're expecting a lot more people will be impacted. But after hearing our coverage, State Senator Zellner Myrie said he wasn't willing to wait around for the MTA. He's the one that coined the phrase the Crown Heights Cluster, mm-hmm. which we hear it on the way endorse. And, uh, and, and Myrie wants Governor Hochul to include a down payment in this year's state budget for that project. Here is Myrie speaking last Friday. Why is it that we are subject to delays and that doesn't happen elsewhere in the system? Why is it that in a predominantly black neighborhood here in central Brooklyn, that a problem that we've known has existed for almost seven decades. Why haven't we fixed it? Well, we're here today to do the job. For its part, the MTA didn't have a comment on Myrie's request. A spokesperson for the governor says the state invests billions to support transit riders and will work with the legislature on this request. Okay. Now, of course, it would not be on the way without a question on congestion pricing. What's the latest? One update. Okay. On Wednesday, the MTA sent a letter to all of its contractors that it's officially not issuing any new construction contracts except for emergency work and small projects that have dedicated federal funding already. And the reason they did that is because of the uncertainty around congestion pricing which, as we've spoken about the past couple episodes, is now tied up in court with several different lawsuits. The MTA has been saying for a while now that half of its current capital plan, that's the plan for all the new construction projects, is in jeopardy if congestion pricing doesn't go through. The MTA is really counting on $15 billion from driver tolls to fund half of that plan. So practically speaking, that means they are not going to issue contracts for signal work. That's the A and the C line. Those lines are supposed to get new signals. Those contracts are not going to be issued now. Accessibility projects, bus electrification, and the Second Avenue subway contracts are all on pause for the moment. Um, And that's until the congestion pricing lawsuits are wrapped up. WNYC Stephen Nesson. To sign up for the On The Way newsletter, go to gothamist.com slash on the way. Stephen, thanks so much. Thank you. 